Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Media. Welcome to It Could Happen Here. I'm Garrison Davis. This is the show where we talk about how everything kind of feels like it's falling apart and how we can perhaps sometimes put some of that back together. In about a month's time, there's going to be what's being labeled a quote-unquote mass nonviolent direct action converging on the Cop City construction site in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, a few weeks ago, I interviewed the two people going around the country giving the Block Cop City speaking tour in preparation for this upcoming action next month in Atlanta. Like always, the opinions of those interviewed on the show don't necessarily reflect the views of the show or myself, and with this action in particular, there has been quite the variety of opinions regarding its risk level and its ideological and tactical validity. But the action is going to happen. It is going to take place on November 13th, no matter, you know, some people disagreeing with aspects of it or having concerns about aspects of it. It is it is going to take place. So my interest in putting out this episode is to have a very open and clear discussion regarding some of the questions people have about this quote unquote nonviolent action and also provide enough information so that people can make their own informed decision regarding what's going to happen next November. So with that, uh, here is my conversation with Sam and Jamie from the Block Cop City speaking tour. Joining me today is uh, Sam from Block Cop City and Jamie Peck. Uh, both of you have been going around the country. Uh, I think it's around 70 cities right now doing a speaking tour to talk about this upcoming action in, uh, in November to Block Cop City. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. No problem. Oh, yeah, thanks for having us. 
So I assume anyone who's listening to this is already familiar with Cop City, whether through their own uh, their own keeping up with the news or even if they're just even if they just listen to the show, we have <laughs> covered Cop City quite extensively the past like two years. Um, so let's talk about this this kind of upcoming action because it's very different than kind of the previous mobilizations that we've seen, which have taken form as like weeks of action. Uh, we had one last uh, last June. We had one the previous March. So what's different about this new upcoming uh, three day kind of mobilization? So, yeah, obviously it's taking place uh, on one day instead of a whole week. And um, there's going to be two days of nonviolent direct action training leading up to the day of, um, which will be really important to make sure that everybody feels prepared for what we're about to do. Um, it's different in a few different ways. I feel like this is a Passover. I'm answering the four questions. Right? How is this action different from all other actions? Um, well, it's going to be a, like a real centralization of efforts, right? Because other weeks of action have been a little more diffuse, a little more spread out. And here we're sort of bringing to bear the full power of all the people coming from all over the country in this in the same place at the same time, because there's safety in numbers and there's power in numbers. And I feel like the June week of action, people were kind of going all over the place, not really sure what to do when. Um, and I talked to a lot of people who were like, just tell us what to do. Tell us what the move is on this particular day and we'll be there. And there was no one to do that, which, you know, is sometimes a hazard of sort of anarchistic movements, right? Um, nobody's in charge. And we're not in charge right now either, I should say. Um, everybody is going to have a chance to have input on the final plan um, in a thing called spokes councils that we're doing uh, the weekend before the action. But um, yeah, I think we're picking a lane and we're doing a thing. And this particular lane has been chosen for a number of different reasons, right? Um, the movement is in an interesting place right now where more people than ever know about Cop City, more people than ever are opposed to Cop City as evidenced by the 120,000 petition signatures that the referendum campaign was able to collect to actually get a referendum on the ballot to let the people of Atlanta actually vote on whether or not they want this thing built. Of course, the city is throwing every trick in the book at them because they do not want to let the people vote. Um, but on the other hand, right, Lots of people know about it. Lots of people oppose it. But the number of people who are willing and able to show up and do direct action against it has dwindled. And that's for a few different reasons, right? There's been so much repression of the movement. Um, 100 people at least are now facing charges. We've got people facing domestic terrorism charges. We've got people facing RICO charges, um, just like an absurd overreach of the state, even according to mainstream legal scholars. So we really need a way for people to feel empowered doing direct action again. And this is what we've settled upon as the solution. And maybe Sam can take it from there. Sure, thanks. Yeah, to build upon that, I suppose, right? You were sort of asking, why is it that less people than ever are taking embodied action in the forest? Um, and one of those reasons also is people have been directing attention to, to other initiatives, right? So the, the 120,000 petition signatures was you know, gathered by something like 3,000 volunteers. Um, there's all sorts of different parties throughout the movement who have been trying, you know, just another 
diverse tactic, right? This movement has seen incredibly diverse tactics over the last two years, um, all sort of moving in unison with one another. And we sort of see block cop city as just another type of tactic in a larger repertoire of a, of a toolkit. Um, you know, we haven't actually had an instance of over a thousand people doing embodied direct action in the forest. Like that's never occurred in this campaign. Um, we've had a lot of people during some weeks of action, but this is a little bit different in scope. It's a little bit different in flavor. Um, I liked what you were saying, Jamie, about the sort of like a lot of other sort of convergences in Atlanta um, that were called weeks of action where we yeah, were, were distributed, were very autonomously organized. Um, and we're sort of treading a line between like the main sort of organizing style, you know, we're on tour right now, right? Um, calling in from Vancouver and you're over in Maine, uh, vast continental wide tour. One of the primary functions of this tour is like the activation of affinity groups to, to sort of catalyze and come down to Atlanta um, so that crews can sort of have the, the confidence, the flexibility, the warmth and the revelry that comes with moving through space with your homies, with your comrades. While at the same time, there's a, a very large cohort of various logistical teams trying to figure out various programming events, the locations of these trainings, um, how to feed people, how to house people, how to keep people entertained, uh, things like that. So it's, I think the scope is, is larger, potentially hitting 80 cities if we can uh, finalize a, a few final requests. And the sort of the action itself, right? So as Jamie was saying, is sort of confined to one day, right? But it's a four-day convergence. So the action itself is being, our goal is to sort of carve out a space that day of on the morning of Monday, November 13th, which thousands of people can take embodied action together in the forest again. When you say like embodied action, I know this thing has been advertised as as using quote unquote strategic nonviolence. Um, as opposed to like moralistic nonviolence, like where you like oppose violent direct action on principle. Instead, this has been trying to employ nonviolence as a strategic action. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of how that's being envisioned? Because I know there's certainly, even in Atlanta, there's a lot of people who are either skeptical or confused or fe fear that there's like other um, you know, safety issues with, with an action as public as this, right? Because you're trying to get thousands of people to show up. So this is this very publicly announced thing, which also gives the police a big heads up. Um, so I know there's been a lot of, you know, there, there's there's a lot of questions. And I feel like, you know, the this this aspect of nonviolence is a very interesting one because the Defend the Atlanta Forest Movement has been, I think, very historically uh, defined by, you know, uh, very uh, spontaneous, fiery acts of sabotage. Um, so I guess, yeah, just let's... I, I want to kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this kind of strategic nonviolence aspect. Yeah. Well, I don't know that it's been defined by these strategic acts of sabotage, um, which, by the way, I don't consider violence against private property to sure. be violence. Sure, I sure, tend sure. to apply that to human beings only. But um, yeah, we certainly, uh, we don't disavow violence. We don't disavow any tactics in this fight. I mean, the, the highest level of violence that any activists have even been accused of is probably about the same level that you'd find if you've ever had a Roman candle fight with your friends, right? You're shooting fireworks in each other's general direction. Obviously, that wasn't happening for fun when folks did it in the activism world. But yeah, um, why nonviolence? Why now? It's a great question. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with responding to the charges on the table. Uh, a lot of it has to do 
with wanting to create an easier on-ramp for people and something that can be openly promoted because, you know, for better or for worse, the media has at times portrayed certain corners of the movement as these like scary eco-terrorists. And, you know, when people are doing a higher risk action, it's inherently something that you can't really go around the country talking about and engaging groups of people that you don't know. Um, so, you know, we wanted to strike this balance, right? And uh, what are we doing? Well, yes, technically it's a crime. So was what Martin Luther King did in the 1960s. And we wanted to draw on that legacy, right? Because the civil rights movement has a deep, deep legacy in Atlanta itself. So um, like we've had rallies at the MLK Center and now, so, okay, we're doing a thing, right? There's a thousand people there. There's children, there, there's clergy, it's in broad daylight. Um, the state is sort of caught in a bind now because, OK, it could arrest a thousand people in broad daylight and charge them with domestic terrorism. Uh, that would create a political crisis and that would be an international outrage. And I think it would also be fairly unprecedented. Um, it's possible that that would happen, um, although I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um there was recently a similar kind of direct action on the construction site that the Faith Coalition against Cop City did. Um, actually, five people chained themselves to the construction equipment and they were arrested. Uh, they're all out on misdemeanors now, which is what you usually get charged with for a protest of that nature. Right. Um, so, yeah, the state could hypothetically arrest a thousand people and charge them with terrorism. Uh, that would be an international outrage. That would be a political crisis. On the other hand, the state could um, do and, and there are signs that it's been pulling back. Right. Because what I just said, if the state charges people with misdemeanors for doing the exact same thing that people were recently charged with terrorism or hit with RICO charges for doing, uh, that will also serve to further delegitimize these charges um, for the people already facing them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mass arrests are certainly a pretty big concern for people when they're deciding if they want to go to such an action. And I mean, because this action is happening and, you know, one of the one of the most I would say it's probably in like the, the top five most policed areas of, of the country right now is in the South River Forest, specifically the Cop City construction site. It, it's certainly a concern a lot of people have, especially when, you know, we're talking about possibly police arresting hundreds of people, trying to kettle them in the site. It's, it's, it's certainly a very, very valid concern to have. I'll also add a little bit to that. So for me, the the question of like mass arrest is actually maybe not even in the top five reasons why I'm interested in, in, in doing this campaign. Um, I think it obviously is a possibility, right? I would say the goal of this action, um, for me at least, is not to get arrested. Uh, yeah. Obviously, like, um, you know, many civil disobedience campaigns, like that's an explicit part of their understanding yeah, of the like a lot of change, like, right? They're- yeah, a lot of like the Extinction Rebellion kind of tactics, even some of the more kind of Earth First tactics kind of revolve around being arrested as a part of 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 the tactic itself and there's certainly been a lot of pushback towards that type of like self-sacrificial tactic here in atlanta the past few years um and kind of in the general kind of anarchist milieu that's kind of been like stewing um that you know is 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 this kind of self-sacrifice of being arrested actually useful in any way um and i'm sure that is part of part of some people's thought process going into this is is you know if if there's a decent chance I am going to get arrested just for walking onto a site is is it worth it? Um, but uh, sorry, uh, you were uh, I re- realized I was <laughs> I interrupted you and went on a short <laughs> a short rant. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a it's a it's a very important issue to a lot of us, right? Um, so yeah, like sort of as I was saying, like the 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 goal of this actish action is not to get arrested, but but obviously as you were saying, like we're waltzing onto the fucking sorry cop city construction site uh it's a very good chance to say the least um and but for me the other interesting parts about this is is right is 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 embodied action in the forest has just not felt possible for months and months and months there hasn't been an occupation of the forest since the cops killed tort in january of this year except for a couple days during the march week of action um but largely speaking the forest has been held by big scary men with big scary guns for for many months now um and the horizons feel incredibly obscured you know it's 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 very unclear how, what the movement 
could do right now that could that could jumpstart our energies that could serve as a container for the thousands and thousands and thousands of disillusioned and disenfranchised folks who have been working tirelessly um, at other methods of change as well right so our sort of theory is the 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 most powerful action that we can do is one that's sort of defined by our by our power in, in numbers, by our power in our unity, um, by our power in sticking together in order. So for me, the interesting question isn't even necessarily what happens on November 13th of this year, the day of the action. For me, the interesting question is like, what new horizons does this open up in the movement? How we can reactivate and recatalyze our energy and understand and prove to ourselves in a collective fashion that embodied action in the forest is indeed possible at a mass level. Um, and this actually sort of seeks to advance the energy in the movement to a new height that hasn't actually occurred, right? What we're, what what's What's going to happen is more people than ever will be in, in the forest together at the same time. And that right now is precisely what, what's needed in this moment. And the only way to do that as we're doing this publicly and above ground, one, to help aid in that sort of facilitation of, of just a numbers game, right? Uh, and then two is like, we want people to be able to make an informed and consensual decision on how they want to engage. And the only way that they can do that is for them to actually know what the heck is going to happen. Right. Um, so we're going around and being incredibly clear about what the plan is and how the finalized version of the plan will be, as Jamie sort of opened with, discussed democratically and horizontally at these in-person outdoor COVID safe spokes council meetings on Saturday, November 11th and Sunday, November 12th, down there in Atlanta, where all of these affinity groups from around the country, around the state and around the city of Atlanta will sort of elect one of their homies to go to this larger general assembly uh, type thing that will then sort of democratically and horizontally determine what the, the actual specifics of Monday's plan will be. Uh, are there any sort of community agreements that we want to um, that we want to uplift and highlight so that we can all sort of know and be on the same page and move in a similar way together? And those could be I, I don't want to speak for what they are because those will be determined in the spokes council. Yeah. But the sort of like there's been questions, I guess, lastly, there's been questions about, well, what does that actually look like to uh, maintain a level of non-violence sure. um, whatever that might actually mean in, in a space right so like i'm sure a lot of folks listening and myself included probably all of us here have have witnessed uh you know for lack of a better word peace policing or something to that effect yeah. right um our wager with this our goal with this is the, the the activation of affinity groups of crews that roll up together who enter into this sort of like consensual horizontal decision making space where community agreements are explicitly laid out in the days leading up to the action those specific affinity groups can hold each other accountable to those norms in whatever way that they want right um you and your homies holding it down for one another in like we're, what we're calling for right is is um Nonviolence, like that, that we can debate, we can have a heady political debate about like the the meaning of violence and the meaning of nonviolence, but like the language of nonviolence has a rich history in American social justice movements, right? Like that, that term has meaning to a lot of people. Um, and that's actually what's being advocated for on this day. Um, but only on that day, right? Like, so what we're talking about is like in this specific space that we're going to like create together. Um, this is what we're doing what we're calling for in this moment in time in this specific geography. If people have other ways to engage uh, in other spaces or at other times, one of the hallmarks of the movement is that by all means they should, right? That's what's kept this movement strong. And this is no different. Yeah, um, I'd like to add that there's definitely a precedent for this within the movement. Um, 
there were probably a number of events like this, but this was the one that I was there for. Uh, there was a march, a rally and a march at the MLK Center yep. during the March Week of Action. And um, it was put on by Community Movement Builders, which is a great group, all Black group, um, organizing in specifically Black working class communities in Atlanta, um, led by Kamal Franklin. And he put out a statement before this rally in March saying, you know, attention comrades, this particular event is going to be a low risk event. Um, we've decided that is what we need today. We've done a lot of work in the community, getting community members to come out to this who maybe haven't been that involved in the past. A lot of older working class Black people are going to be there. Please don't do anything that's going to attract extra attention from the cops. Don't do anything spicy. You know, Don't break windows. If they tell you to stay on the sidewalk, stay on the sidewalk. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those tactics, right? In general. And he went out of his way to say, we do not denounce these tactics in general. It is just not the right thing to do today at this particular thing. And everybody pretty much listened and everybody behaved themselves. And I thought it was a really cool example of, you know, the the respect, the mutual respect across different uh, different corners of this movement. Yeah. I've definitely been thinking about that action um, in relation to this to this upcoming kind of event. Um, the, yeah, I think it was on it was the, the Thursday of the fifth week of action. A few days after, there was like the mass arrests at at the music festival. Because um, I mean, there they were in 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 the, in the lead up to that community movement builders march. There were very similar questions around like yeah like. Who's going to enforce nonviolence, which is kind of a silly question. And there is, you know, there is precedent, absolutely, of, of people like peace policing and even turning over people to the cops. That, 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 that is a precedent. But in, in this case, like, you, you know, these specific people and community movement builders have been pretty down with the more militant aspects of this movement for years. Um, and, you know, in the in the hours before that action, you know, pe people s sought and gained more clarification on like, no, like, we're not going to like fuck you over. But like, hey, we're trying to like bring our grandmas and our kids to this. And not that the police need an, any excuse to, you know, attack people. Um, but this is, you know, it's this is the thing that we're planning. This is what, this is what we're trying to do. You, you, you don't have to come if you don't want to. And, you know, and it, it is that type of like mutual understanding and agreement that actions like this kind of uh, rest on. Because I, I I certainly know that there's there's probably a good deal of forest defenders who you know would like to jump at the opportunity to do you know spicy stuff on the site because that's that's a you know from their perspective that's a very uh it's a very attractive proposal which you know also has precedent in these types of big mass mobilizations there's there's certainly aspects of that that kind of intersect with this especially you know one concern people may have is that. This is being pushed as like, hey, we're, you know, we're going to all these cities. We're trying to mobilize all these people, get a thousand people. We're all planning this thing together. Uh, there's there's a certain risk that that type of language um, could be turned against any of the possibly hundreds of people arrested on March 13th and roll these into and have that roll in to the RICO charges that people are facing in Georgia. Um, now, I, I, I also kind of, from my understanding, part of this action is to kind of showcase the kind of absurdity of these RICO charges by by demonstrating that this is like very typical civil rights kind of, you know, uh, social movement organizing. Um, but I think those two things, I think, can actually coexist. 
<laughs> um, where, yes, this is very typical civil rights organizing. And also the state, specifically, you know, the state that, you know, in Atlanta have been uh, have 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 not cared at all. And is very is very willing to to use these to use charges like this as a chilling tactic to suppress any future um, you know, like protest or mobilization against Cop City. So I, this is like, I think, one one other dynamic that people are certainly thinking about in terms of, you know, deciding if they want to participate in something like this. Sure. Yeah. Above all, one of the primary functions of repression, right, is to to scare us into inaction. Right. And in the face of that, the worst thing that we can do is cower away and shrink. And precisely this type of mass mobilization is the ultimate show of solidarity with all people who have been swept up into various trumped up legal charges related to this movement. And, um, and also there's, you know, in, in, in throughout the history of American social movements, there's, there's, there's precedent after precedent after precedent of people organizing their communities and their friends that they care about to travel to a place of, you know, um, of injustice and stand in solidarity together, right? This is like, this isn't a classic organizing tactic. It's nothing particularly new. It's the first time that I've been involved in, the, in the, sort of this scale of organizing and this sort of specific flavor. Um, I think with any action, right, just because we call it nonviolence doesn't mean that violence won't occur on the site specifically maybe at the hands of the police or other law enforcement agencies, right? Uh, just because we call it nonviolence doesn't mean that there, there isn't risk involved, right? With any action that we go to, uh, there's risk involved. But, you know, our understanding is that the risk of inaction far outweighs the risk of action in this moment. Yeah, because they're going to build that thing if nobody does anything. They're trying to build it right now. And what's going to happen after that? Well, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds more cops on the streets uh, trained in all the latest militarized uh, technological ways to, um, you know, oppress and terrorize civilian populations and put down the next big popular uprising, which they've connected it with very explicitly. So we should be thinking about it in that way, too. And, you know, we're we're a generation without victories. Right. It just sort of feels like we uh, I don't want to minimize the real tangible wins that do indeed happen. But largely speaking, it feels like we're a generation without victories. We need to win social struggles. And tens of thousands of people from around the world are watching the defend the Atlanta forest movement, hoping that it wins. Right. Mm -hmm. So I sort of ask myself, what would have happened if if Standing Rock would have won? Right. Like Standing Rock raised the bar for what it means to resist a pipeline camp in an unceded indigenous territory in this country. It, it raised the bar for that. Right. So the next time that invariably rolls around, hopefully we can begin from that point, that, that, that point. But but the pipeline is built. Right. Oil is flowing through it. Oil is leaking through it. It, it didn't win that element of the work. <laughs> And that's why it's important that we have victories. And that's why, you know, there's so much, so many people pouring so much energy into the Defend the Atlanta Forest, Stop Cop City, No Hollywood Dystopia campaign, because we know it's winnable, but we need to ratchet up. And this is precisely the sort of level of accessible, but also drastically heightened level of ratcheting up of our intensity of our collective power together that's possible in this moment.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that, Sam, you kind of mentioned earlier in this conversation is that this this plan is really just one spear in the many that's trying to put cracks in the facade of the Cop City project. And this action is really just being put in relation to a whole bunch of other things that could happen that would eventually lead to Cop City being stopped. I think that's a really important aspect to kind of clarify because, you know, there is some detractors who are, you know, Framing this action as being like the only, you know, path forward that organizers are wanting to do. And I don't know, this this movement's been very, very based on people taking their own spontaneous action and there being not just one strategy, not just one plan. There's always a, a big, a big, you know, litany of things that could be going on, which all kind of starts to put pressure on this on this house of cards, so to speak. There's a political crisis a brewing in Atlanta, and it has been for a very long time, right? Uh, Andre Dickens, for some reason, uh, has put all of his chips into this thing, and he is, like, hated for it, right? The Atlanta Police Foundation has taken out millions and millions and millions of dollars of loans to build this thing. If they fail to build Cop City, which they will, then they will default on those loans, and they might go bankrupt. So this entire project, not... Is, is is essentially a house of cards 
And it doesn't really feel that way because it's being buttressed on all sides by corporations, by crony politicians, by uh, big men with big guns, you know, but they're doing so precisely because it's fragile, precisely because it's a house of cards and there's zero buy-in from the community and from people and standing in solidarity around the world for this project. What could be a fatal death blow to this movement is a mass quantitative uptick in the number of people taking action in the forest. And that would be a new and novel blow to this thing that it hasn't really seen. There really is a battle happening over the like who gets to use this language of social justice and who gets to draw on the legacy of the civil rights movement. Right. And there are two really competing narratives right now. Um, you have the Stop Cop City movement, which has a pretty complete analysis, I would say, of the ways that um, racial oppression and class exploitation power American capitalism, right? And the ways that Cop City feed into and enable those things with the help of the bourgeois state. And then you have the cynical take from the city of Atlanta and from the political class. Um, I'm looking at a post that just, I think just was posted by the city of Atlanta Twitter account. It says, Mayor Andre for Atlanta welcomed guests to the March on Washington 60th Dream Youth Panel at North Atlanta High School. Mayor Dickens highlighted the significance of MLK's nonviolence movement and shared his hopes that our youth will work together to fulfill MLK's dream, hashtag MOW60. So there we have a, a cynical attempt to harness the legacy of the civil rights movement right because what what the fuck is he even talking about like how are youths going to work together to fulfill mlk's dream of you know freedom equality uh not just uh in terms of who gets to buy things at a particular store but like true economic power and equality for everyone, um, especially Black proletarians um, who have served a very specific and important role in American capitalism, right? What is he talking about if not like <laughs> we're doing exactly what MLK used to do? This is a nonviolent act of civil disobedience. So what could he what else could he mean by that? Um, does he mean voting for Democrats? Does he mean, you know, working for NGOs? Does he mean uh, joining this political class? Because uh, I think like it, it actually makes me feel better that the people of Atlanta seem to know that this is bullshit, despite all of the propaganda that's been coming out from from the state and from the, you know, the bourgeois media and, and the mainstream press um, that just kind of uncritically reports the things that uh, the mayor says, the things that the cops say, uh, the propaganda isn't working. 120,000 people signed this petition in a city of 500,000. I mean, I think they they can clearly see who's really carrying on this uh, this project of social justice and equality. Great. I, I, I always I always love checking up on the city of Atlanta Twitter account because at least once a day they post some absolutely absurd thing. <laughs> um I guess the the last thing I think it's probably worth mentioning is that like a a, a big part of this plan is trying to catalyze affinity groups to come to the city, um, you know, with you know specifically with the idea of them participating in this in this action on November thirteenth. Um, but you know, nothing is stopping affinity groups from 
pursuing other forms of direct action during the four the four or so days they might be in town. I think that's you know a big a large part of this movement's been very based on like self determination and radical autonomy. Whether that's that includes your ability to participate in you know big big collective max uh, big collective mass actions or just having fun with your friends uh, around the city like what happened near the end of the last week of action where uh, uh, eight motorcycles mysteriously uh, vanished from the material plane so that <laughs> uh, we're we're about a month away from this if people are interested and want to kind of learn more information about this proposal um uh, where can where can people uh, find said information yeah, thanks for that. We're currently in the middle of our Wilani Worldwide Mass Action Speaking Tour, 80 cities from, from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon, Vancouver to Tijuana, and everywhere in between. Um, Jamie and I will also be co-hosting a Zoom tour stop on Saturday, October 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, check out blockcopcity.org for information on those tour stops, including the ones on Zoom. There's also going to be a schedule for the weekend's festivities that is coming out quite soon, which could include uh, several cultural events, welcoming ceremonies, um, two in-person spokes council meetings, general direct action, nonviolent direct action trainings, uh, as well as other ways to, to spend time, quality time together down in the forest leading up to the mass action on the morning of Monday, November 13th. If people have resources they would like to donate to the movement, whether that be in the form of in-person housing, um, help with transportation, um, help with collective cooking processes, help with social media outreach, journalistic outreach, uh, help with just thinking through this thing, right? Um, and how we can make it as empowering and successful um, as possible and help sort of allow this to, to, to once again raise the bar for what it means to, to fight against deforestation to fight against over policing in black and brown communities around the country to fight against economic injustice and the attack on dignified forms of life across social movements and 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 regions you can contact us via our um, contact form on the webpage, which you can find on blockcopcity.org slash contact and there's a contact form to fill out there's also a gmail uh, blockcopcity at gmail.com so if, if any of those things are, if you want to figure out how to plug in, feel free to direct your correspondence to one of those channels. Yeah, blockcopcity.org. You can watch our hype video. You can read our invitation to action. Uh, you can, well, the tour might be mostly over by then, but you can look at where the tour has been. Lots of good information on that website. And there's also lots of ways to get in touch. So yeah, hope to see you all in November. Yeah, you're cordially invited to uh, activate an affinity group come down to november between friday veterans day november 10th to monday november 13th uh, and then also it's important to note that probably on the 14th and the 15th there'll be collective days of healing and anti-repression work that will be happening citywide as well that does it for us today on the show uh once again thanks to sam and jamie for talking with me about this action hopefully you have a little bit more information about this than you had going into it um, you can certainly find more information about this action and, you know, a variety of other opinions on the scenes.noblogs website and other kind of anarchist news websites if you want to go seeking out those other opinions. See you on the other side. 
It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.